I don't wanna be the boy that runs in the back. I don't wanna be the kid that falls in the dark. All I really want to be is the guy that gets that girl. Welcome to the AJ Steele Show. We discuss politics, sex, money, and everything in between. And now, here's your host, an immigrant, a self-made millionaire, an American, AJ Steele. And I'm everything I say and do, I'm just not good Hello everyone out there. Welcome to the AJ Steele Show. I would like to say a big thank you to our ever-growing group of listeners. Our show is becoming a huge success and lots of really important people are starting to take notice. But none of them are as important as you, my loyal listeners. I truly do what I do just for you and no one else. So after reading through hundreds of your emails, I decided to answer two listener questions as a tribute to all of you. If this format works out, I will start answering listener questions on future shows and on a regular basis. But today, I will be talking about two important topics. In the latter half of the show, I'll pretend to be Dear Abby and Dr. Laura, one or the other or both, and discuss my original foolproof 10-step plan for a good marriage. Follow it, and I promise you marital bliss immediately. But first, I'm going to talk about the new phenomena of angry middle-class young people who are out on the street protesting for black rights, women's rights, gay rights, and just about pushing any kind of general anti-American socialist garbage. It's almost like the 60s are back, except for a few things. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, they're all dead, kaput. Underarm hair for women, sorry to say, it's out of style. The drugs are much more potent, and the simple fact is that gays, women... Blacks and minorities have equal rights. Some might even say they have extra rights. So these protesters, what are they protesting? Things that have been resolved. So why is this still going on? All that and much, much, much more when the AJ Steele Show continues. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and share us with all of your friends. We're going to have a great show today. So sit back, relax. And we will be right back. The AJ Steele Show. Think of your loudmouth best friend, hated by all the wives, because he tells it just like it is. She really is sorry, isn't she? Welcome back to the AJ Steele Show. 
We get so much correspondence from all of you, our loyal listeners, and we do our best to respond. In the next segment, we're going to try to answer a question from listener Lynn Palin, who asked about my opinion on why young people today are so angry about civil rights issues, especially since they've been resolved already. She felt that they invent drama where there is none. In other words, she wanted to know why so many have become such empty virtue signalers. So let's delve into it. Why are so many young people so full of gloom and doom these days? Why is it that they're out there protesting everything from President Trump to imaginary racism, to women's equality rights, to transsexual rights, to income inequality, and their perpetual hatred of the mega-rich? All this while holding on to their $800 iPhones, checking their Facebook feed, and ordering from Amazon. What is it about this generation of self-described communists, beta males, angry, hateful minorities, and man-hating women that inspires them to go out and attack the public and protest, physically and verbally attack anyone who disagrees with them, and most importantly, virtue signal about the purity of their actions. They call themselves Antifa, which supposedly means anti-fascists, but their behavior actually borders on fascism. Anyone who pays attention, anyone with eyes or brain or mediocre of honesty knows that most of these morons are stoned on drugs, whether legal or illegal, prescription or just street crap, and they're bored. They're just bored white kids from middle and upper middle class upbringing. They're mostly unemployed or underemployed losers who never felt any true suffering other than maybe their uh, internet connection conking out or maybe their phone battery discharging to zero from time to time. Another group of the protesters are mostly drug-addicted, mentally ill, violent street bums. They all live off our tax money. And the rest of them are basically sheep. They're those 1960s, anti-Vietnam-era, gray-haired, ponytailed hippies who fried their brains partying on the good stuff. These geriatric rabble-rousers will do anything to be seen and heard before their whole generation completely dies off or is completely relegated to the nursing home, sitting in their own urine and suffering from an early form of dementia. But I'm not really going to talk about any of those last two groups I described. I'm going to talk about the one that interests me the most. It's the first one. The angry middle-class white kids. The rebels looking for any cause. Hey, that sounds pretty good. Rebels looking for any cause. Why did they do it? When did their self-loathing and lack of mental gravitas turn against the country that has given them so much? The country that has given their parents everything? Who's at fault for all this? Where does it start? I think it all starts with their parents, our society, our society which replaced God and a sense of true purpose with greed and materialism. And our society is being spurned on by politically correct, immoral idiots who run the media and all those lefty, angry teachers and professors at every level of schooling from preschool to grad school. I know I'm attacking many institutions and it feels weird to me, especially since I myself am a part of the media. I'm not a deeply religious man. And I've had some moments in my life where I wasn't as moral or as pure as I wish I could be. But I also know that sometimes it takes an imperfect man who has had his personal faults and failings to start a movement that leads to grace. I don't know one Donald Trump fan or voter, and I don't think any exist, who thinks that he's as good as Mother Teresa or is as pure as a driven snow. And yet this imperfect vessel has done so much good for our country and for the world. After all, God picked Moses to lead the Israelites, despite of his speech impediment. Or King David, who was a womanizer and a murderer. God led him to lead ancient Israel. And it was Peter. Peter who denied Jesus three times. And Paul the Apostle actually persecuted Christians before he became a follower. 
But before I digress too much, I want to continue with my analysis of all these angry protesters and all these virtue signalers out there yelling and spitting and calling decent people indecent names and actually physically accosting people with whom they disagree. I can't stand these snot-nosed little brats who are acting that way. If I only had a chance, I'd really put them in their place. But unfortunately, I'm a civil man and we have civil laws in this country and we can't do that. But seriously, how dare they attack people physically and, and emotionally and be so nasty to them, calling people Nazis just because they voted for President Trump, calling anybody who doesn't believe in illegal immigration and illegal aliens a racist, an anti-Hispanic, a jerk, an imperialist. If you try to protect Christians and Jews from Islamic terror, they start calling you an Islamophobe. Really? Those crazy Islamic fundamentalists would kill each and every one of these freaks. They would probably kill them first. How dare these snot-nosed kids act that way? Man, their parents should have taught them right. But unfortunately, they didn't. They're too busy living their own selfish lives. Boy, I better calm down before I say something I really regret. Even though I really mean it too. But where does it start? It starts from having selfish, consumerist parents. Parents are more worried about their own little lives and, and appearing to the social circle to be perfect. That's all they care about, appearances. They're not worried about the actual upbringing of their kids. These parents give their kids every electronic device and every game available, every activity their little hearts desire. I want to play basketball. Okay, son. I want to go dance. Okay, daughter. No, I don't like basketball anymore. I want to play baseball. Okay. No, soccer. No, let's do drama. No, let's do jazz dancing. They do everything, and they're not good at anything. And you know what? Their parents never call them on it. They never do. They just move on to another activity. There are no repercussions to any of their laziness or failures. Their parents just give them more encouragement and blame it on others. It's the coach's fault. It's the school's fault. It's the rich people's fault. Wait, the big one is this. It's Trump's fault. Or even better, it's America's fault, right? It's America's fault that their kids are retards. All these parents want to have peace and quiet to the point that they almost never criticize their little angels. You want to play video games all day? Okay. Want to be online instead of studying? Okay. You want to dress like a whore? Fine. Here's my credit card. Son, why are you wearing a dress? Oh, you like dresses? Okay. Let me get you some makeup. They do anything to avoid conflict which might interfere with their... Me time. These parents are so selfish. They're so self-centered. They want to be friends with their kids. They don't want to be parents. They don't want to discipline their little brats. They don't want any conflict. They want things to appear to be perfect. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of this behavior. That's why these little brats go through life thinking life owes them something. And they're little jerks. And they throw temper tantrums as kids and as adults. But you know what? It doesn't end with the parents. It continues with school. When these pampered, spoiled kids go to school, they get more of the same. We're all winners. All the losers in sports get participation trophies. Kids who misbehave get riddling and special attention, not punishment. Why? Because most teachers are just as selfish and just as impotent as the children's parents. The few hardworking teachers out there who try to do their best get shut down by a system of political correctness and overwrought sensitivity to these spoiled little brats. The public school system is not designed to educate anymore. It's designed to babysit and make every kid, no matter how disruptive or academically insufficient, feel like Einstein. Every untalented kid is treated like Mozart. 
every kid who sucks at athletics gets treated like he's the champ. The message from our schools continues the one from the parents. Don't make waves. All kids are amazing and gifted. Every opinion is valid. Just pass them on and keep the system running along and make sure the teachers' union gets plenty of money. That's what it's all about. It's not about education. It hasn't been about education for many, many years. It's been nothing but a camp for indoctrination and a babysitting club. Looks like I need to take a little break, so please stick around. When I get back, I'm going to discuss things like college and the real world. Whoa. This is AJ Steele. You're listening to the AJ Steele Show, where no topic is off limits. No discussion too harsh. No truth more true. The AJ Steele Show. We tell it like it is. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Welcome back to the AJ Steele Show. We're continuing our discussion about the roots of angry, triggered, modern white youth and why they're so lockstep in, or should I say goose step, in what I consider to be a sense of righteousness and borderline fascist tendencies. We already covered their parents and public schools. Now let's talk about our university system. Once these do-no-wrong spoiled brats enter our mandatory university system, they're indoctrinated for life. College is not really mandatory, but it sure feels like it is. And if you really want to hear my detailed opinion of universities, check out our previous episode of the AJ Steele Show, entitled How to Become a Millionaire and Is College a Scam for Dummies? It was a fun show for sure. But let's get back to our current topic. These kids go to schools which their parents or the taxpayers pay a lot of money for. Sometimes it's tens of thousands of dollars. Sometimes it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And what do they learn in those schools? Inane worthless topics. Inane retarded majors. Things like psychology of rape. History of slavery. White privilege studies. Ethnic studies, etc. I could go on all day. Most of these liberal arts majors are taught by subpar, politically motivated professors who are absolute mediocrities in every way possible. But in college, they get to lord over their poor captive students. All they do is reinforce notions of how terrible America is, how minorities are oppressed and left behind, the evils of Western cultures and whiteness, and all they do is champion inferior third world cultures. They hate all religions, unless if they happen to be Islam. In other words, these mental midget professors, and I mean no disrespect to midgets, trust me, these mental midget professors with their limited ability for objective analysis, end up indoctrinating our youth. And we're paying them for it. They're turning them into social justice warriors with zero critical thinking skills, zero knowledge of real history, no real survival skills in the real world, and a continued sense of inflated self-worth. These sad sacks are taught that everything is equal. All grievances are the same. There is a moral equivalency between the thief and the victim. They're all the same. Laziness and hard work are both justifiable. Communism and capitalism, the same. 
Never mind the millions of people murdered by the communists. The terrorists and the victims of terror have equal standing for these brain-dead professors. Moral equivalency, they keep saying. We're all the same. We all have an opinion. We all have a valid opinion. I could go on and on, but we all know what happens to these poor kids that end up graduating with a lousy, worthless degree and a huge amount of debt. These young people have no real perspective about what is right and what is wrong. And did I forget to mention that these liberal art professors also preparing for absolute zero chance of having any job that pays anything above the minimum wage? And when they get out of school, these young, spoiled, impressionable, worthless college degree grads, they hit a brick wall, a wall of reality. Nobody wants to hire them for a million bucks a year. And all their life, they've been told that they're worth a million bucks. But, but unfortunately for them, the best they are offered is a job that pays maybe a little bit more than the minimum wage. All the fake praise from their parents, their coaches, their grade school teachers, their college, all of the fake accolades come crashing on the shores of reality now. The real world is all about action and results, not about talk, not about idealism. Now, mind you, many of these kids grow up very quickly and they become contributing members of society. But quite a bunch of them move back home to their mommy, where they can stay in their old room with their old posters, and mommy does their laundry. Oh, and don't forget, they get free Wi-Fi for their iPhones. So unable to cope with the real world, these snowflakes turn to anger and blame. They hate their white parents who didn't prepare them for life, and so they lash out at white people as a whole. And then these halfwits start remembering a little bit of what they learned in college, and all the protests for the civil rights and women's rights in the 60s, Malcolm X, the anti-war protesters, and all of a sudden all these dweebs, they want to feel like they matter too. They want to feel like they're contributing. But unfortunately, the world isn't welcoming them or cares for their stupidity or dated notions of civil rights. Newsflash, people. Black people have all the same rights as Caucasians. Women are allowed to vote and succeed. Institutional racism has been completely eradicated. Many of the poor these days are poor because they lack the mental capacity to succeed. They might be drug addicts or they're just plain lazy. And believe it or not, gays have all the freedoms that normal straight people have. So there's nothing to complain about. Enough already. My God, you know, most guys that get shot by the police, they're basically thugs. They're thugs who don't follow the police, they don't follow the law, or they don't follow the orders of the police. The real truth is this, that all of the real civil rights issues have been dealt with a long time ago. But these losers persist. Their lack of true self-esteem and achievement, coupled with a delusional sense of grandiosity, is the driver of their so-called protests. How many of these wealthy, hypocritical white protesters are willing to give up their expensive iPhone and not to use Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. These hypocrites are making billionaires out of the same people that they protest against. And when these half-wits don't get their way, then they get angry and violent. And unfortunately, the liberal politicians in our country and our media exploit this fake anger and a fake movement for more political capital. Now, believe me, I have a very simple solution to all of this. It's a very quick and very simple four-step solution. But unfortunately, nobody will ever implement it. For some reason, nobody will take me up on it. Number one, their parents should kick their lazy bum butts out of their home. Number two, if they're able-bodied, they should not get any government assistance. Number three, they should all move away from the suburbs 
and get to live in the inner city and the ghettos full of the black people and the illegal aliens that they champion. And by the way, instead of virtual signaling, they should get out of their comfort zone and go and actually volunteer to help the less fortunate. Fat chance that's going to happen. It's a lot easier to scream in the streets and protest than actually do something worthwhile. And the fourth part of my plan, number four, is the police should start dealing much more harshly with any violent protesters and put their lazy butts in jail. Plus, find them severely. They would stop their crap real quick. Trust me. Now, we all know that my solutions will work, but we also know that none of them will be implemented ever. These useless idiots, this lost generation, will never advance in life, and they will remain bitter and angry nobodies forever. But that's kind of okay, because they love communism so much, and very soon communist China will need a lot of slave laborers. They'll need a lot of people to do manual labor for their great country they great communist country. And by the way, in communist China, most kids that go to college don't study the history of racism. They actually take classes like engineering, medical school, computer science, and architecture. Colleges and degrees that actually produce people that are worthwhile. People that actually can produce something and help society. Well, well, here in America, we'll continue with our liberal arts and we'll continue with our protests. We'll continue pampering our little snowflakes and tell them they're the best They're just the best. They get participation trophies. They are awesome. In the meantime, our country will continue sinking into the abyss, the abyss of anarchy, the abyss of low education, low morals, low culture. This is very sad. It's not the end because there's plenty of really good people and some great Americans out there. But we better change course real quick before it's too late for our great country. This is the A.J. Steele Show. Thank you for listening. AJ Steele, not right, not left, just right. Don't like Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AJ Steele Show. I guess we're having a show about marriage. No, I'm not going to discuss gay marriage, transsexual marriage, polygamy, or marriage to your favorite pet. That discussion is for a different day. But I got this idea because a couple of days ago, a listener of mine, uh, Levi Wayne Garrett from Texas, asked me in an email, AJ, what is your recipe for a happy marriage between a man and a woman? Good question, I thought, but not so easy to explain. So to answer you, Levi... I have to say, I don't really have the key to happiness or a magic pill. Marriage, family, life, for me and for millions of other people, is not perfect. But I have been very lucky overall. I feel a nice stability, and everything works great for over 90% of the time. The 10% of the bad stuff? Oh, well, we're not going to talk about that today. Now, I don't profess to be a marriage expert, but I think that I have a lot to add to this conversation. So let's start with my little history here, a little history lesson of A.J. Steele. I didn't grow up in a happy family. I'm a child of divorce and all the strife that comes along with that. When I was a young man, I never wanted or expected to be married and to have kids because I always feared that all families are as dysfunctional as mine. And I was really scared that I'm going to have a dysfunctional family just like my parents did. But boy, was I wrong. I've been married now for over 25 years and I've raised great kids who still love and respect their mom and dad. So in answer to your question, I've thought long and hard about what makes a good marriage. And this is what I came up with. Number one, 
You have to marry somebody who shares your morals, your goals, and you have to make sure that you're compatible physically and mentally. A marriage based only on lust and chemical attraction with no shared values is doomed to fail because once the romance and the physical attraction fades, it's, there's nothing there. But a marriage to a friend also, and this is a, the other side of the coin, if you just marry someone who's a friend and you really like them, with no romance, with no physical attraction, uh, then that's doomed to fail as well. So it's very important to meet somebody or to marry somebody that you care for physically, but you're also like their mind, as they say. Number two, have sex often and enjoy it. A good marriage needs loving. It needs compatibility and lots of steamy sex. Don't be shy about it. That's just the way of nature. Enough said, right? I mean, we have to keep this show at the PG level because I don't know who's listening, right? Number three, you kind of have to make sure that you and the person that you marry are willing to give in on some things. In a good marriage, nobody gets 100% of what they want. It is a give-and-take situation. Hopefully, the both of you will meet somewhere in the middle. But having said that, I have to say this, that you should always marry somebody who is in some ways different than you, different temperament, different style. If you're a domineering person, somebody who always needs to be the boss, don't marry somebody like you. Marry the opposite of you. And that could be either the man or the woman. It doesn't matter who it is. It's just vice versa. But try to meet somebody whose temperament complements yours, not challenges yours. Number four, the most important people in a good marriage, you know who they are? It's not your mother. It's not your father. It's not the mother-in-law or sister or brother or your best buddy. The most important person in a good marriage are you and your wife. In-laws, friends, and everyone else is secondary. Don't let anybody, including your extended family, tell you how to live your life or badmouth your mate. I know so many divorces that occur because the in-laws or the friends get involved. Listen, you should respect and love your in-laws and you should always care for your buddies. But it is your wife or your husband that goes to bed with you every night and puts up with you day by day. Not your buddies, not your mother or father, not your aunt or uncle, not even your nosy co-workers. Your mate should be your unquestioned number one. Now that is the case until you get kids. And when the kids arrive, it's a different story. But I'm going to have another show about child rearing and raising in a different AJ Steele episode. Let's continue with number five. Make sure that you both have the same goals and work towards the same plan and lifestyle. It's not good to have two people pulling in different directions. A marriage shouldn't be a tug of war. It should be both of you on the same side pulling together. People who are selfish or are still looking to find themselves... You know what? They just should not get married. And that's the deal. Don't get married if you're not sure about where you're at. Don't get married if you don't feel that you can be a part of a team. Number six, don't marry someone who's a big spender and likes to impress others. It will cost you your financial security and your long-term happiness. Always marry somebody who will be happy living beneath your combined means. Leave the Italian cars, the yachts, and the daily massages and spa treatments to the rich and famous. My number seven rule for a good marriage, don't ever, ever marry someone who is jealous or needs to be with you 24-7. Marry someone who is confident and can handle being alone. In a marriage, it's very important to have some space, to be alone, some private time, to be away from your mate. It is actually very important to have some alone time and to hang out with your buddies or do stuff without your husband or wife. Each married person should have some of their own original life 
separate and non-intersecting. But for this to happen, it's very important to marry someone who's secure and doesn't feel like they have to check on you all the time. I've always said that people who are cheats will cheat no matter what. And being jealous is not going to change that. If a guy's going to cheat or if a gal is going to cheat, they're going to do it anyway. So what's the point of being jealous? So I say either trust each other or don't get married. That's the bottom line here. Number eight, don't tell your mate everything. I know a bunch of guys that will say, oh, I tell her everything. I, when I cheat on her, I tell her because I want to be honest. Oh, when I flirted with some girl at work, I told her. Or, or girls tell you, you know, I, I, I danced with a guy in a bar and, and I had to tell my husband. No, you don't have to tell him everything. Some things in life are better left unsaid. Keep 5% to yourself. It helps with a mystery and also protects you from stupid fights and anger and jealousy. Neither one of you has to know every minute detail of the other's life. Keep 5% to yourself. Now, I'm not saying go out there and cheat. I'm not saying go out there and gamble and drink behind your wife's or your husband's back. But what I'm saying is this. Some things are better left unsaid. And that's the 5% I'm talking about. Number nine, and one of the most important parts of my dissertation on a good marriage. Take good care of your physical appearance. You should do your best to be attractive to your mates and to the world. No one likes a fat, frumpy husband or a fat, frumpy wife for that matter. Everyone, including your mate, wants someone that is wanted. If no one else wants you, why would your mate want you? It's just one of the most basic rules of nature. So for you guys, do your best to look good. Shave your nose, ear, and back hair. Suck in your fat gut when you walk. And stop wearing those cut-off sleeve t-shirts after 40. They look ridiculous. And most importantly, don't act like a pig all the time. Be respectful. Now, if you're a woman, I have a few suggestions too. Number one, you got to wax that mustache. I draw the line with a woman when she starts looking like Burt Reynolds. Work on your flabby arms. Nobody likes those things flapping in the wind. And for heaven's sakes, wear a good-fitting bra. And please, no more Daisy Dukes or belly shirts after 30, okay? Wow, I feel like Picasso painting a really, really ugly picture. Which leads me to my last and most important tip for a happy marriage. Number 10, have kids and have them often. Nothing bonds a man and a wife more than the joy and the stress of raising kids together. To me, it is the ultimate purpose of marriage. And it is also the one thing that will keep a husband and wife connected when all else seems to be lost. Now, I'm not saying you should have kids to save your marriage. That's not going to work. But what I'm saying is this. Having children and raising them together in a loving home only enhances a marriage. and makes it so much better. Having kids creates a family, which is probably the greatest endeavor that any man or any woman could ever have. We've come to the end of my little episode here of uh, marriage tips. And I have many, many more tips on marriage and especially on a happy family life and raising kids. But we're running out of time right now, so we will have to wait for future episodes of the AJ Steele Show. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, please write to me. My email is ajsteelshow at gmail.com. And please have some patience. We're getting hundreds of emails, and it takes a while to get through all of them, but I promise to read them all. And maybe even more important, please subscribe to this podcast. Spread the word. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. This is the AJ Steele Show. Have a great one. (laughs) 